Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. School of Humans. That's what he said today. And he said he didn't yeah. strangle her. Yeah. I don't understand, and I mean, look, again, glad justice was served, but I don't understand why they can't get some of these contradictions. This case, sitting here right now, we know less about what happened to Rebecca Gould yeah. than we knew two and a half years ago. After the news broke that Billy Miller was convicted of Rebecca Gould's murder, I had some mixed feelings. It would have been so much easier for me to believe that justice had been done and to celebrate. After consuming my life for so many years, as it has so many other people, this case would finally be over. And I am happy about Billy Miller's arrest and conviction. Given the fact that Billy Miller is a dangerous sexual predator who I absolutely believe participated in Rebecca's murder— I definitely consider this a good thing. I also want to give credit to the Arkansas State Police. I am thrilled that Mike McNeil took over the case. Because for me, this was never about being right or wrong. Remember, I had no access to the police case file. So what I was trying to do with Helen Gone was to go out and talk to anyone I could, anyone who I believed could have information to share. My hope was that after the podcast aired, Dennis Simons would someday be off the case, and someone knew a fresh pair of eyes would be put on the case, and that's exactly what happened. I think that Mike McNeil has done excellent police work and has been much more open-minded than his predecessors. But, as with so many things in this case, it doesn't feel like it's over yet. It feels like that moment in the horror movie where you think it's all done and everyone is starting to feel relieved, and then the monster lunges out for that one last scare. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone.
In Billy Miller's confession, he called himself a monster. This was during his interview when detectives were asking him why he did it, why he killed Rebecca. He said that there was no sexual motivation, but I find that very hard to believe. I talked to investigator Jennifer Buckholtz about her impression of Billy. How do you feel about William Miller? I mean, his history, you know. He's a monster. He's a predator. We know he, you know, sexually assaulted other women. We know he had a pattern of getting women overly drunk at bars and taking them home to have sex with them, i.e. rape them. Mm -hmm. He would take photos of them when they were unconscious. We joke about killing prostitutes you know, was the suspect in a sexual assault in 2002, according to Mike. So, I mean, he obviously has a pattern and a history. And like George and I talked about this the other day, but George is like, what do you, what do you think the chances are that this is William's only murder? And I'm like, I think the chance is pretty low. But clearly he has these sexual compulsions or whatever. I mean, I don't like the word normal and abnormal, but like his sexual preferences are abnormal. And knowing this other stuff about his history, I just, don't see. Unfortunately, Rebecca's probably not his only murder victim. Yeah, and it's hard to find information because he was in the Philippines for so long. Exactly. Who knows what went exactly. on there? Exactly. You're never. Yep. You're never going to be able to find the victims over there, and that sucks. I went to see Rebecca's dad, Dr. Larry Gould, again near Mountain Home. It's been over two years since I've last seen Larry, since the podcast happened and then the arrest, and then COVID made travel so hard. It was emotional. I gave him a big hug before I went into the house. Larry has had some changes in his life. His two younger daughters have grown up into young women. His oldest is getting ready to start college. I gave them both hugs too. The last time I was in this kitchen, we were poring over autopsy diagrams and countless piles of letters to the prosecutor, to the district attorney, to the police. Larry was basically begging for help in finding his daughter's killer. This time, the mood is different. We're happier because obviously Rebecca's killer has been caught and will be sent to prison for what amounts to the rest of his natural life. So in some sense, it's a celebration Larry finally has some answers about what happened to his daughter. Larry first saw Billy Miller in August 2022 at the suppression hearing where Billy's confession video was played. As a man and as a father, I really wanted to size up this guy. I wanted to see what type of person could do this to my daughter. At that hearing, Larry sat right behind Billy, and he spent the hours of confession watching Billy, hearing the graphic details of the man who had confessed to brutally murdering his daughter, watching her die, cleaning up her blood and throwing her body off the side of the road like a bag of trash. And through it all, he maintained his composure because, he said, of a promise that he made to Rebecca that someday he would find her killer. I found that his body language was, and his entire demeanor was highly offensive. He's a very unattractive man. And that's a a loaded statement because a lot of what you learn about William Miller is that 
good portion of his life was predicated on of some forms of perversion and things that just were not what you would consider normal behavior. First, he didn't have to be there. He he didn't he wasn't subpoenaed, and he, and they told him many times he could get up and leave any time he wanted to. By the end of the day, your thought on who William Miller was, by his own statements, was this is an arrogant, pompous, egotistical man who drew pleasure out of making people feel foolish. And those were his exact words many times in the film, was that he had made fools out of all of these people. And he took a lot of pride in that. That in itself is a sickness. The man is sick, and the man has a lot of problems, and his own ego is what defeated him. He reminded me of what you typically associate with people that are arsonists. They light a fire, and they want to go back and watch it burn. When we were still preparing for Billy Miller's trial to begin on October 31st, Larry learned on October 14th, the very last day that the defense had to present a plea deal. He learned from prosecutor Eric Hance that a deal was in the works. From there, things moved very fast over that weekend. On Monday night, Larry texted me to say the hearing would be the very next morning at 8 a.m. The plea deal had been accepted, so it would be quick. Larry was there with his two younger daughters, Rebecca's half-sisters, Katie and Macy. He wanted to show them how the criminal justice system worked and for them to finally see their half-sister get justice. It was an emotional day. And Larry only had the night before to prepare his victim statement. That evening, I had an hour, one hour to write my victim statement. So, you know, when you watch these programs, you see people up there and they're spewing off for hours about different things and stuff. They told me I could only submit two typed written pages. So I, I made notes and then I got panicky. I thought, geez, I'm not going to have this ready. And so I sat in bed at 10 o'clock at night and I, I wrote it out and typed it. And was I knew I had to get some sleep because the next day was the hearing. So took me an hour and I wrote it out and that was, that's it. And then I, I read it in court and so I'd be happy to read it to you. I'd love for you to read it. You did that in an hour? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you don't know what to do. You know, you sit there and you've got 18 years to think about your daughter and and, and all the different things that, that has happened. So you go, what do you, what do I write? So, do you want me to read it? Yeah, please. Larry read me the witness statement that he read in court, his final goodbye to his daughter, Rebecca. This sentencing hearing, like the hearings before it, took place in a tiny courtroom and no cameras or recording devices were allowed. So only a few people were there to hear Larry's words. So it's really important to me to play this witness statement in its entirety because I want everyone who has been following this case to hear it. Eighteen years ago, my life changed forever. Eighteen years ago, many lives were changed forever. My precious daughter, Rebecca Christian Gould, was taken from us. She was taken from family, her friends, and taken from her own future, her dreams, her desires, her wants, her hopes, and all the possibilities that life at age 22 presents to a young lady. No marriage, no children, 
no graduation from college, no career, no good times, and bad. You took away a chance for a young, tenacious, and blossoming girl to dream of her possibilities in life. You took away from me my opportunity to watch those things happen. William Miller, 18 years ago, I was working in my office seeing patients when I received a frantic call that Rebecca was missing. Little did I know then that my own world would shortly change forever, and soon a living hell would find its way into my life, a hell you created, and now a hell you must face. No rest, little sleep, searching early morning until late at night to try to find Rebecca. Hope diminishes daily, but never went away, until the day she was found and reality set in. My daughter was dumped like trash, left for the animal. Left, left for the animals and the maggots to devour slowly each night. You were long gone. You have had 18 years of life, family, children, money, a career, and had you not been a truly sick person at such a young age, you probably would have had a nice life. Today that ends, and today I grieve. I had no time to grieve then, because I could not rest, a funeral to plan, and my child to bury. What you didn't know was at that burial site, I took my kids aside and made a pledge that nothing would ever stop us from finding the person who murdered Rebecca. And today, Today I look to heaven and simply whisper, promise made, promise kept. The 18 years of hell you put me through has cost me dearly. It cost me family, loved ones, my enjoyment of life, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, precious time, basically everything I, I had hoped for in my own life was placed on hold forever. Simply a void or hold in my heart that could never be repaired or patched back to a healthy state until now. See, my glass is always going to be half full and never half empty. I teach my children to never give up, fight and never quit, to salute our precious American flag, to salute law enforcement, and above all, the men and women who serve this great country as I did. Rebecca represented that combination of beliefs. She would fight for the underdog, and at 100 pounds of her ringing wet was the courage of a hero. You took away the life of someone I believed could have become anything she wanted. The taking of my daughter's life in such a brutal and self-serving manner, and then to treat her in the most undignified way, tells me everything I need to know about you. This court judges you and has sentenced you. You still have two more courts to face. The prison system itself and the ultimate judgment by God himself. My pain will never go away, but it will diminish. My Lord and Savior, as stated in the poem, Footprints in the Sand, never let me fall, gave me courage and carried me through these 18 years, only to set me down as a stronger, more faithful, more loving, more compassionate, and truly better human being. We are all victims from you. In your confession, you boastfully stated how you made fools out of everybody. I am here to tell you that that arrogance and your obvious pathology of needing to watch the fire burn you set is what Special Agent Mike McNeil brilliantly used against you. In closing, 
I cannot describe the amount of emotional trauma you have created in so many lives. I could speak for hours regarding why you should never be allowed out of the prison. I will leave you with this one statement. Rebecca lives in all of us. She will never die. She is sitting at the right hand of the Father, looking down, a place you will probably never see, but that is not my place to judge. Rebecca inspires us all to better our lives and to know that love and grace are words I will always remember her by. inspirational. It's so beautiful. Thank you. That one came from heart. (laughs) I got really emotional when he read that, and you can probably hear it. As much as I try to remain impartial and detached, because I want to be able to help the victims and not burden them with my pain, and also I want to be able to see things with an objective eye, at the end of the day, we're all human. I've gone through challenges and losses of my own over the past few years. And one of the many things that I admire about Larry is his ability to stay positive in the face of darkness. Over the years, he's sent me several supportive texts, even when a lesser man would have been drowning in his own pain. I admire him and I consider him a close friend. And my friendships with George and Jennifer have been life-changing as well. Rebecca's death caused so many people pain, but in her short life, she inspired so many people And that is something that I'm grateful for every single day. But then Larry said he got a shock. After the sentencing was passed, Billy indicated that he would be willing to talk to Larry privately. And the judge said that he would allow that to take place. Larry and Rebecca's older sister, Tiffany, went to a small back room where Billy was seated behind a glass barrier. I was still trying to size him up and, and understand this man. I'm, I interjected a few questions to him right off the bat, and I gave him an opportunity to, to tell the truth, that I wanted to know exactly what happened. Um, you know, he's already convicted. He's already in there. This is a good chance to get it all out. So um, what I found in this face-to-face approach with him was a man that was not so much wanting to talk as he felt compelled to talk, and he was willing to answer questions. But as he, as he began to talk about what actually happened, everything changed. He sat up a little straighter. His chest came out a little bit more. His voice elevated a little bit, and he began to take control of the room. So it all changed. And I think it changed because had he been sincere, he would have wanted wanted me and Tiffany was there. He would have wanted us to feel that he was apologetic, to feel that he was remorseful. He was placating. He was trying to make everything appear not a way that was acceptable, but a way that did not make him appear like he's uh, like I said, monster. Like minimizing his Completely. Role. So the part that changed was, okay, he enters the trailer. He, I think he had originally said that he wanted to use the phone. Rebecca goes back 
which would have been, I guess, to the bedroom. Uh, he's pacing back and forth, and the words he used there was all of a sudden it just was building in him. He had a compulsion somehow. And then the switch went off, and then he went in and he, he grabbed the piano leg. He went in and he struck her twice. Now, in the actual confession, he says that he strangled her with a necktie and that she was lifeless. Now he's saying that he didn't strangle her, that he actually started to perform CPR, and that every time he would pump on her, the blood would go all over. So now he's making it look like he's a rescuer. And then it gets to where in his testimony, basically, he took her like a sack of whatever and threw her over the fence, threw her into the truck, threw her off the truck. Now it's, I, I gingerly put her over the fence, I eased her into the truck. It was, it's all this appeasement. He wasn't doing it for us. He was doing it for himself. And I'd had enough. So I got up and I left after that. So I agree with Larry's interpretation that there are parts of the confession where it seems that Billy Miller is trying to make himself seem more compassionate than he was. Like when Billy says he was trying to give Rebecca CPR or crying, I believe that this is his way of explaining why investigators could potentially find his DNA on Rebecca's shirt or in her facial area. And I don't believe for one second that that DNA came from attempts to save Rebecca's life or from Billy's tears. If any trace of Billy's bodily fluids are there, I believe that they would be there because he was attacking Rebecca. And Billy using words like placed her body instead of through her body. I would put that in the same category. Again, he's trying to minimize his actions. We always have to remember that every single thing that Billy Miller says has a purpose, and that purpose is serving his own self-interest. He's trying to mislead, and he's doing things for his own reasons. Which is why I and Jennifer and George and others are surprised by the fact that the ASP have relied so heavily on Billy's own words and on his confession. Because after being one of the only people so far to view the crime scene photos, I have to say, so far, parts of that confession do not seem to match up with the physical evidence. Let's look at some of the other major differences in the confession. First, Billy said that he strangled Rebecca with a necktie. But he later told Larry that he didn't. What does the evidence say? In that pretrial hearing on October 3rd, I was also able to finally hear what the medical examiner had to say about Rebecca's body. Charles Kokus was the medical examiner on the Rebecca Gould case. Dr. Kokus confirmed that Rebecca's hyoid bone was intact. It was not broken. Rebecca's thyroid bone was also intact. These are the two organs that are often damaged when someone is strangled. Now, it is possible for those bones to not be broken in a case involving strangulation, especially since Rebecca would have been hit in the head multiple times and be very weak, so it wouldn't have taken much force to strangle her. While this isn't definitive, it does make it less likely that she was strangled. But what's interesting to me is that Billy Miller seemed to modify his story after he saw the crime scene photos and the autopsy photos in court. I know through George and Jennifer that Billy was active on their social media community, Unsolved Murder of Rebecca Gould, and that the strangulation theory was one that a lot of people talked about on that page. In fact, George and Jennifer and I are noticing that a lot of the terminology that Billy used in his confession was almost word for word 
what had been written on that social media site. In Billy's original confession, he said that he attacked and beat Rebecca while she was lying down in bed in the bedroom. But remember, in Helen Gone Season 1, we talked to a witness, someone who told us that Casey had hit Rebecca while she was standing up outside the bedroom, arguing with him. Now, in the crime scene photos that I saw in the courtroom, there appeared to be a large amount of blood on the brown carpeting outside the bedroom and in the kitchen area. Billy says that he did all of this alone. So, if that's true, why would he lie about where it happened? There are a lot of other contradictions. For example, Billy said that there were folded clothes on the bed, which presumably belonged to Rebecca. This matched what we had always read in newspaper articles about the case. But after seeing the crime scene photos, there were no folded clothes on the bed. There was nothing on the bed. Billy said that he struck Rebecca with a piano leg and then it shattered. So where are the wood fragments? And if he was working alone and panicking to clean up that crime scene, why were there brand new cleaning products out on the counter? Did he go buy cleaning products and bring them back? And if he did start cleaning up and took the time to put bloody clothes on a wash cycle, why would he not deal with a blood-soaked carpet? Was he planning to come back? Wouldn't he worry that the stuff would be visible to Casey and others who came into that trailer? This man definitely did it, but the gray area was not answered. And the gray area is, was there somebody else there? Is there somebody else help, help with this? But he wasn't going to tell you the truth anymore. He, he wasn't going to tell you the, so. tell me the truth. Yeah, and, and so and that's that became really obvious real fast, and and that's what I was hoping for. I, I thought you know give the guy a chance. Let's see if he'll yeah. if he will break down and really detail exactly what happened, and didn't happen. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.
Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. So if Billy is not telling the truth about how Rebecca died, I wonder, could he be hiding something else? I talked to George Jared and Jennifer Buckholtz about these two different confessions. And he said he placed her and he said he didn't yeah. strangle her. Yeah. And I noticed that, so when he went before the judge, and the judge was like, you know, this is what we're being charged with, this is what you're pleading to, okay, now explain to the court why, or what you did that meets this charge. And he said, well, on uh, September 20th, 2004, I hit Rebecca, I can't remember if he said her last name or not, but I hit Rebecca twice, and then I dumped her body off Highway 9. That's literally what he said. And I immediately noticed, like, wait a minute, what happened to the strangulation? But then when Dr. Gould came out from talking to him, he's like, well, he told me he did not strangle her and instead tried to perform CPR, which is why there was blood all over the house. And, Kat, what I think happened is he found out that they didn't find the necktie. And the necktie thing is, for whatever reason, and it, it jumped out to me, it just seems like a more heinous crime because he hit her in the head. She was probably going to die. And then he takes the necktie and strangles her. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people see it that way. And he also told Dr. Gould that he wasn't sure if she was dead when he left her on the side of the road. And so what he's doing is he's saying, hey, I did hurt her and she was hurt when I left her. But maybe she didn't die because of that. Well, why is it in CPR? <laughs> right. Yeah, he's minimizing. He's just trying to minimize yep. what he did, probably. Yeah, it was to alleviate his own guilt is what he did. And and then you're re-victimizing these family members again. Oh, of course, because then, then they're thinking about her laying on the side of the road. Well, yeah. Alive, yeah. And it's two totally, sub, two totally different, basically totally different confessions. So it's like, well, what are we supposed to believe now? As anyone who listens to Helen Gone knows, I am much more interested in victimology in understanding the victims and getting into their world than I am into delving into the mind of a killer. I guess that could be because I don't see anything special about killers. But I made a promise to myself and to Rebecca Gould back in the very beginning that I would talk to anyone who could provide more information that would help lead to answers as to what really happened to her. And that includes Billy Miller. I'm writing a letter to Billy Miller. It reads, Billy, this is a strange letter to write because even though we are strangers, I feel like in a very weird way, we have been part of each other's lives for the past several years. 
When I started Hell and Gone, I wanted two things, to find out the truth about what really happened to Rebecca Gould and to bring her killer to justice. I assumed that if the second one happened, the first one would too. But after everything that has gone down, I and our audience, which at this point, as I'm sure you know, is tens of millions of people all around the world, still have so many unanswered questions. They and I want to know who you are so that they can understand why you did what you did. All anyone has seen of you so far is the guy in the confession video who called himself a monster. Just so you'll know where I'm coming from, I don't believe life is that simple. I don't believe that anyone is all good or all evil. I don't believe in heaven or hell, or that there is a higher power with a plan who intervenes in our lives. A lot of people, myself included, have violent urges, which I'm sure is part of the reason why true crime and horror movies are so popular. I do care passionately about justice and finding answers, but I have to admit there is also a part of me that is drawn to that darkness in all of us, and that's probably the reason why I do this job. But you actually went to the next level and acted on your urges. I would like to know why. Why do you think you feel these things and what makes you make the decision to act on them? Would you be interested in doing an interview with me, either over the phone or in person? If you agree to talk to me, I can promise you that I will put your story, your words, out there in a fair way. A lot of people have tried to talk me out of contacting you. But I'm reaching out anyway, because there is still a big piece missing of what actually happened to Rebecca that day, and there are answers that only you can provide. I have zero agenda beyond getting to the truth. If you acted alone, this is your chance to explain the discrepancies in the story in a way that could really help the rest of your family escape suspicion. I would also like to understand why you did what you did. I'm hoping that through that understanding, Maybe someone who is having the types of feelings and urges that you were describing might be able to get help or channel them in another way. You may not be able to control what happened in the past, but you can control whether the last thing your children read about you as they grow up is that you were a monster who brutally murdered someone. You can choose what to do next. It's your call. We'll see if he gets back to me. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. Helen Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartMedia. Our producer is Gabby Watts. Executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and L.C. Crowley. Music is by Ben Salee. Special thanks to Season 1 producers Taylor Church and James Morrison. School of Humans School of Humans Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.